This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Hello, everyone. I'm Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and welcome to another episode of the EdTech Podcast. It's easy to see how much our workforce is changing and how big of a role STEM is playing in that change. And I really think it comes down to STEM is cool again. So many of the millionaires and billionaires leading the charge and being those role models for making it right in our modern world have done so with websites, technology, innovative engineering. But how can we expect our students and our workforce of tomorrow to lead the way in STEM if our schools lack the funding for STEM programs? So here to unpack the importance of STEM in our schools and how to find the funding is Laura Spence, K-12 STEM specialist for Pinellas County School District in Florida. Laura, great to have you on today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, great to have you on, and I'm excited to dig in. Um, You know, you have a lot of experience in the STEM world. You've been an educator for 18-plus years now, bouncing between roles in the classroom and leadership positions, so you've really gotten both the the hands-on teaching experience and getting to feel why STEM is important there, but then also as a leader, getting to guide um, programs and getting to guide the district towards a more STEM-heavy future. So I wanted to unpack your experience a little bit and ask, when did you start to focus your work towards STEM? And when did you realize the impact that STEM would and is continuing to have on our country's future? I think the biggest thing for me is the leadership that starts from our superintendent, um, Dr. Michael Grego, and he's just been outstanding. So when he began to lead our district, he had initiatives to focus on STEM and career readiness. And from that, it kind of rippled out into this feeling that we need to look beyond our classroom walls. Um, and so with that, they began to create um, a feeling of STEM in the district with families, with students, but they needed to create a position to kind of be the essential hub for what STEM would be. Um, and that's where I came in. So previous to that, I was a middle school teacher. I was an elementary school teacher, and I always had a passion for math and science. And I wanted my students to see what it looked like beyond a textbook. Um, From there, I had the great opportunity to move down to Florida, and I specifically picked Pinellas County. And the reason why I did is because of their location and because they're the eighth largest school district in out of 67 in Florida. And so that's massive. Um, And with that, you can really have some great impact. Um, So what happened was I, I was a classroom teacher. I became a science coach. I was a math coach. And when our superintendent took over, They were looking for somebody that had that background, that had that passion for it. Um, Also being certified in STEAM education, that is STEM with the arts, um, added another level to the way that we could look at STEM within our district. Uh, And and we we moved from there. So it just branched out. Um, This is my sixth year in this position. It's really grown into something that started with uh, 16 schools, and now we have over 90 schools in our district that are involved with STEM education. 
So, Laura, I want to get a sense for what the culture is like around STEM, uh, and I want to look at it both internally and externally, um, because I think both are important. So, how do you feel STEM is viewed internally in the education field, and then how do you feel it's viewed externally when it's talked about by businesses, parents, and really the community at large? I think... It's really changed lately, and you can see in our political climate that a lot of the advertisements are based around STEM and based around the desire to have more people in the fields of construction, welding, engineering. And some of those pieces are all driven by the need for education. So if, if you're looking internally and externally, what you need to do is you need to look at teachers because teachers are driving that. What we're trying to do is we're trying to involve a lot of business and community partnerships. So my program wouldn't be as successful as it is if we didn't have buy-in from our business partners, our community partners, and from our family members. Uh, we have over 5,000 students that are participating in the STEM Academy program. And teachers do an amazing job of talking about STEM. But it's not until we have those professionals in the field come into our classrooms and share with students what they're doing on a daily basis. How do they get where they were? Maybe they didn't necessarily start out with a specific field and now they're in something really exciting that they didn't think of. We need our students to hear that and get excited about it. Externally, when you're looking at companies and they they want us to fill these gaps, we need to be able to produce enough students that can compete globally for these jobs. And so th that's associated with a lot of skills. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling when you have businesses and business owners looking for students with STEM knowledge that the workforce is changing and encouraging people with STEM skills. Uh, I mean, when you really look at the future of our workforce, a lot of the, I don't want to say menial tasks, but a lot of the more labor-intensive tasks that are being automated now, pe people get worried that, oh no, you know, we're losing our jobs to robots. But really, it's just that the jobs are changing. Now we need people to think higher level and help program that automation to help build digital infrastructure to increase efficiency in manufacturing or to figure out how do people utilize this website to increase sales, right? I mean, like from one end to the next, industries are changing and it's all being driven by people with STEM-focused backgrounds. Um, so it's exciting to see that businesses are looking for people like that. But, you know, I, I think we still struggle with funding for these kinds of programs. And uh, it's not like the culture isn't encouraging more STEM. Um, so there is a disconnect there, right? If, if we're still struggling with funding, but the, the workforce is looking for people with STEM, why is that? So I, I want to get your take on that. Um, though funding is always tight and these extra initiatives and programs don't come cheap, obviously, why are there funding challenges still uh, when trying to bring STEM to your students? 
funding is 100% an issue all the time and districts and teachers and administrators are scrambling to find those funds to put the latest and greatest programs in there that are making our students globally competitive. And that's the key right there. So we need to not just think of the United States. We need to think of beyond. Districts have to begin to look at priorities. So what's essential? Is it essential to have building infrastructure? Is it essential to purchase textbooks? All of those are contributing factors to how much money is available when it really comes down to the student dollar amount. Um, another thing is when you're looking at surrounding businesses and, and communities, if they're asking for you to, to fill that demand, we have to begin to work with them and say, how can you help us do that? Right. No. Yeah. I mean, you have to you have to get everyone on the same page and you know, get those businesses and those organizations to realize that, you know, if they want students that are knowledgeable in STEM, they need to help make sure those students are getting educated in STEM fields. When we're looking at funding for school districts, for schools, for teachers in classrooms, and really what it comes down to is having student impact. What does the dollar amount mean for our students and how can we get the most out of our funding? All of us in our districts focus on funding constantly because it's it's a real struggle for school districts to provide those necessary materials and skill-based programs that are going to make our students globally successful um, and going to give them those critical skills that they're able to problem solve in the workforce. Um, One example that I can give you is our district has partnered with is Synergistic. And Synergistic has really done outstanding things for our, our district because they've had us look at facility management in a different light. So in terms of saving money, we've not just saved a little bit, we've saved over $20 million. And with those funds comes opportunity. And Synergistics is really looking at spending less and taking Energy Star certification buildings and having principals begin to analyze what they're doing. How are they using the resources within their building? Um, and, and that comes along with training and it comes along with awareness, an awareness piece. So Synergistics works with our district at the superintendent level, at the administrator level, and then that trickles down to our educators and it trickles down to our students. The great thing about Synergistic is it's not a one-shot deal. This is happening for multiple years, and it's allowing us as teachers, as family members, as students, administrators, to say, here's company buy-in. Here are people that have the same vision that we do, and it can help us move forward with possible funding. So we're not writing as many grants. We're not looking for all of those gaps that we have with old technology or old STEM materials, we're able to say, because of our savings, we're using those funds to put towards student education. It's pretty ironic that the way that you get more funding for this really just boils back down to education, right? I mean, you got you to gotta educate the people in the education space. Um, and if you get the teacher's understanding of 
the issues within the community and you get the business owners and the community understanding of the issues and funding for STEM and everything, then everyone gets on the same page. So it's great to have expos like the one you put together that encourage that kind of education and that kind of collaboration. Um, and you mentioned Synergistic a few times. I'm glad you did because I want to talk on that now because um, really when you look to fund programs for STEM or really anything for your students, you've got to be creative. And the truth is that districts and schools, at least in my opinion and based on some of the other interviews we've done on this podcast, they struggle with budget management in general. I don't think that's a secret, but especially when it comes to aspects of facility management, because many of these leaders have no training in facility management. I don't think that's really an expected part of being a superintendent um, or being in charge of a district. Um, so the amount of money spent and wasted on inefficient energy can be exponential. And I know Pinellas found some major dollars saved by tackling their energy use, and you partnered with Synergistic to make that happen. So walk me through that process and how it affected bringing better and more varied education, especially in the STEM field, for your students. It had a big impact. So it's not something that happened with one of our schools, two of our schools. We have over 120 schools um, and it's a large undertaking. So you're absolutely right. Administrators don't get that extensive training on looking at their buildings and saying, how can it be effectively managed in terms of energy savings and cost savings? Um, so we needed some a company to come in and help support that on a larger scale. And that's exactly what Synergistic did. So for us, um, saving $20 million is an extremely big deal. And our superintendent is absolutely excited because we have received the Energy Star Partner of the Year Award. And that's the highest level award that you can receive um, because it's something that Synergistic helped us put in place district-wide. Those savings don't just sit there in a vacuum. What happens is our superintendent then looks at some of those funding availability resources and says, what can we do to improve our existing buildings? What can we do to build pieces onto what we already have with our schools to make and improve them? A lot of that goes into the savings that we've received at the district level, and it trickles down to our schools in a positive manner, and that's exactly what we need. It's interesting because over the summer, I host STEM summer camps, and the majority of uh, the buildings are open. Some of them are closed because we're not running camps at, at all of them. But one specific principal, I was asking for X number of classes because I was getting ready to, to run the camp and I needed this much space. And the conversation from the principal said, well, you know, I have to look at what parts of my building are open, what parts are running, how much energy I'm using. And it was absolutely outstanding. You could hear that language that that principal worked with Synergistic and was relaying it to me in a natural form. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to find companies that have the same passion that your school district does for STEM. Because like you said, you don't want companies to just give their donation and then disappear. Um, though, I mean, you'd probably be appreciative of the money. You know, that's only half the battle. You want 
other stakeholders that are just as passionate um, about bringing STEM to the workforce, about bringing STEM to students. So it's great that you found that in Synergistic, and we'll unpack that a little later about uh, how those energy savings really helped in that funding process. But I think what's honestly even more important is the work that you and your team have done to encourage those kind of partnerships and get the community active. Uh, I know you've taken the spread of STEM into your own hands very tangibly. I know in your district you started a district-wide STEM expo. Last year was the fifth year of it, and you pulled in over 5,000 people, which is pretty incredible. And you also started a, an award-winning STEM television series on WPDS Channel 14 called Science Rocks Pinellas, which is pretty great. I'm always a fan of some original content. So I wanted to get a feel for what was the effect of creating an event that engaged your community, creating some content that engaged your community, and how did that in turn motivate some of the funding initiatives for STEM programs in Pinellas County School District? Our STEM expo really came from parent demand. So we had 5,000 plus students going through our STEM Academy program, and they were asking for what is the next step? What are you offering? Um, and from that, I developed the STEM Expo as a way to showcase all the amazing things that teachers and our students are working on throughout the year. It's really important that it's a non-judged uh, showcase because we want to give those students experience as they're younger for interview skills, for a handshake, for looking people in the eye. And those are essential skills that you need in an interview. So not only are we trying to prepare them for a STEM career, but we're trying to prepare them for an interview in a different manner. Um, and that's reflecting really what a lot of businesses are asking for. So it's not you sit at a round table anymore and you answer one question after another. Now you're here solving problems with engineers and they're looking at who's the best employee. So with the STEM Expo, what, what I did was take all of our STEM academies and put them in a central location to showcase all of those different skills. But with that came problems. And the problems were, where do I even begin? Um, and so I thought I needed to reach out to some of our community and business partners because those were the ones that were going to help elevate this to the next level. So not just a showcase. Now it's a community event and it's important that it's a free community event. So I reached out uh, to some of the ones that have come and spoken to our students that have uh, volunteered their time and have have had teachers out or students out for field trips. And I didn't think I'd get a lot of yes answers, but I was absolutely wrong. Um, we had the very first year, we had over 12 community and business partners that said, yes, let me host a table. Let me showcase what we're doing and how students and families and teachers can get involved. Um, and because of that, it, it instills the sense of community and it also gets that business and community buy-in. And that's what we want. We want that partnership because when it comes time for funding, if there are needs that we see arise in a district, then we're able to say, hey, this is something we worked on together. What are our next steps as a business in a school district? So it's it's multiple levels where we're impacting teachers because they're seeing this partnership and they're saying, oh, I didn't know about that company. And they learn about them and they learn about the employee gap that they have and how they can 
can talk about it to their students so that our students are picking specific um, advanced math and science courses that are going to give them a leg up when they get want to either enroll in college or take the next step to get a, a certification at one of our technical colleges. So funding goes hand in hand with who you're working with. And I think it's also important to point out that because of that $20 million in savings and because you're winning that Energy Star Partner of the Year award, you're getting to set a standard for other school districts that are also struggling to find funding just in general, um, but even more specifically for STEM and STEM initiatives. Uh, having you at the helm of that you know, as other schools, other school districts look to how can we save money and you know, we're struggling to motivate our community. We're struggling to get people to buy into the idea that we need help with um, funding STEM programs. They can look to Pinellas and say, okay, they had a leader that made it happen, but they also, as a school district, found $20 million in savings by reducing energy usage and being more conscientious of when they have their AC running at full blast, you know, when they have their lights on or off or installing sensors to help do that automatically. And it feels like such a little thing, but obviously it's not. What kind of example do you hope to set and do you hope that Pinellas County School District sets for other school districts that are also struggling to find funding for STEM or other initiatives in general? And I guess what would be your your one main tip for for those school districts that are also facing the same challenges? Well, I think the first thing is STEM is approachable because it's real world skills. So any district, whether large or small, is able to take STEM education and apply it to whatever their setting is. So there's different levels. So you can start at the district level, the school level or the classroom level. But starting small is starting better than anything else and saying, where do we begin? Funding, I use a variety of sources. So one, our district is using some of those saved funds um, f- to support our STEM initiatives, K-12, but then also working with local community business partners. And that's where you do have to write those grants. You do have to work with companies to say, this is, I'm helping you fill your employment gaps. So let's work together. Um, and that's something that you always have to work at. It's it's good. um, It's good people skills. It's good business skills um, because we want to prepare our students. And that's the bottom line. But when you when you look at future oriented skills for our students, we don't do this in a vacuum and STEM is not in a vacuum. And it's a way for communities and districts to leverage those partnerships to enhance STEM at any level within a school district. And communities have to support that in order for districts, school districts to be successful. Couldn't agree more. It's definitely a team effort. And as much as your leadership has led Pinellas forward for STEM, it really isn't just one person making it happen. Um, You know, it's got to be everyone buying in to the idea that STEM is important and we need to fund STEM programs. Uh, And I think this continued education for the community, for teachers, and for other school districts is really important. So it's great to see Pinellas doing that, and I'm excited for the future of STEM because there are people like you and there are school districts like Pinellas that are helping lead the way, 
And there are companies, like you said, like Synergistic, that are buying in and helping find those savings so you can fund the future of our schools and the future of our workforce and, I guess, poetically, the future of our country. So, Laura, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It was great getting your insight on this, and I'm looking forward to having you back on soon. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the EdTech Podcast. And if you like what you heard and would want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.